And in getting sober, I realized like I just became an adult by years, but I didn't actually take responsibility, which is a huge part of growing up. I'm Brian Kramer. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is making smaller shifts. It's the small shifts in our lives that can create epic outcomes. Your journey to be more deeply connected into the life you truly deserve starts right now. Welcome to Humanly Possible, a podcast focused on small shifts that can make epic differences in our lives and at work. I'm really excited to introduce our guest who's someone I admire and I'm honored to have on the show and met many years ago in person. I was part of an influencer campaign as she was in advertising uh, and a VP in an advertising agency. And we got to meet much before uh, a lot of things happened in her life. Her name's Laura McCowan. Let's talk about her like she isn't here. But first, I'm going to introduce her. Um, she had a long, successful career, like I just said, in public relations and the mad... I'm going to say this wrong. Mad Menesque drinking culture. Mad Men-esque. Men Men-esque. Men, right? What's that? You watched Mad Men. Oh, Mad Men. See, a couple of fresh... Mad Men-esque. Oh, I, I got it. Love, love that show. I thought this was like a certain club I didn't belong to. So, I, <laughs> and I never did belong to that club. So that, that no. now I get it. You don't um, okay. So Mad Men ask. I got it. Um, I love that show. After yeah. getting sober, she quickly became recognized as a fresh voice in recovery, beloved for her soulful and irreverent writing online and in print. And I can say that your writing is just absolutely, um, is that it is irreverent. It's so touching. Like when the way that you write is so smooth and, and bumpy and beautiful and clean and then dirty and then up and then down and twisting. And I just can't, I just love it. So I just needed to jump out and say that because, you know, this is all about human moments as well. And, um, and so now you, you lead sold out retreats and, uh, the retreats are also, you also do courses and teaching people how to say yes to a bigger life, which I totally, that's why I reached out. I wanted to interview you and make sure that everybody can say yes to a bigger life and help spread your message, which has been so wonderful to watch from the outside looking in. You live in, she lives in Boston, Massachusetts with um, your wonderful daughter. I've been watching for, again from the outside looking in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, been featured in New York Times, The Guardian, WebMD, the list goes on. And um, if you haven't bought her book, which you've been, you must have been living under a rock if you haven't bought her book, but you need to buy her book. We are the luckiest. The Surprising Magic of a Sober Life, released in January 2020, an instant bestseller. My friend, my long, long time from a distant friend, Laura, thank you so much. Oh, for what an introduction. Thank you. Yeah, quite a long one. I'm sorry, but I just want to make sure that everybody really knew you and just your passionate, awesome work. And um, so thank you. And yeah, and I'm going to dive right in. So what is one thing this is we're going to go right into it. What's one thing that that felt small at the time, but ended up being a big shift for you at any point in your life? Mm. Um, I started making my bed. (laughs) (laughs) No joke. I started making my bed uh, as 
like a later in adulthood when I started to like try to take care of myself, right? So I started to make my bed was a big thing. And it now it's hilarious because my partner and my daughter, like, you know, she's the bed, the bed sheets, Nazi and everything, because I like take so much pride in this one space, but I, it, it, it's, it is a small thing, but what I, what I sort of got from that is I was like this, a this adolescent living as an adult, like posing as an adult, I suppose. And we all kind of are in the sense that we're like making it up as we go, but I was not taking responsibility for my life, really. And it, that one act of care and responsibility, like I'm going to make this space, I'm going to buy sheets that are nice, that I like. I'm going to wash them. I'm going to have pillows that aren't 100 years old or, you know, bleeding feathers everywhere. And I'm going to put nice, clean pillowcases on them. And I'm going to buy bedding that I actually like, right? That That's nice. That feels like who I am. And then I'm going to make my bed every morning, even though no one ever comes over. And even though it's just me and my daughter in my house, I'm going to make my bed and take care of it because it's this act of responsibility, right? And it started to bleed into like all these other areas of my life. And in getting sober, I realized like, I just became an adult by years, but I didn't actually take responsibility, which is a huge part of growing up has been for me. So it started to like, it's like, oh, now, you know, I'll clean the bathroom too. I'll take out the trash when it's supposed to go out instead of waiting for two weeks. I'll try to pay my phone bill on time so it doesn't get shut off, right? I'll not lose my purse or car, you know, debit card or my phone phone all the time, or maybe I'll vacuum or maybe I'll change the cat litter, you know, before the cats are like screaming at me. And these little tiny things of like, it, they, they are tiny, but they're really not. Like, I think if uh, you, it, it always starts with your body or your, your house or your immediate surroundings. You start to care for those things as if, you know, they matter, as if you matter. It, it, it has this multiplier effect. It's like compound interest. And then you start having some sense of dignity and sense of pride in your life, right? Absolutely. Goes a long way. Yeah. I you know, I love that because it is like one little thing that has a little ripple. And you don't know what that ripple is until you you do it. And then it just starts to add up over time. And yeah. You 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 speak that in volumes. Um you you spoke that in volumes in so many different ways, um, just in the way that you show up and in your energy, but also just in the small little things that you you even describe. Um, Have you read Atomic Habits? Yes. Okay, so like I was so I loved reading that because it explained so much of what I had experienced, but didn't really 
you know, have the behavioral science or psychology behind it to go, oh, that's, this is an actual, this is a thing. You know, you start these little tiny, tiny wins and you, um, that sort of bolsters or fortifies your sense of this, this idea that you can get things done, that you can accomplish things, that you can execute, you can follow through. For me, it was a lot about follow through. Like I can say I'm going to do something and then actually follow through on it. Because what, you know, what was the case for me was like, I, I would say I would do all kinds of things. And there's all kinds of reasons I would say I would do things. And then I wouldn't do them for all kinds of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm out of integrity everywhere. And that feels terrible. You know, you're walking around in your life. Like you said, everybody else knows who you are, but you don't know who you are. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's an extraordinary, narrowly painful place to be. So yeah, Atomic Habits is is great sort of, you know, underscores the idea that there really aren't small things that we, the way we change the big things is always small things. It's very rare that you, you know, I mean, for me, like quitting drinking took a really long time and, and not ingesting the alcohol was just a part of that. Right. Um, it's a million, like my friend, Mike Lewis says 10,000 unsexy steps, you know, and people see the the result, but most of it is quiet and internal and goes unnoticed and uncelebrated and all that. No one's giving me a medal for making my bed as a 43 year old woman, (laughs) but it freaking matters. It matters. It does matter. It does matter. It's funny. I, I, um, I think I, we only started making our bed this year too. I don't know what it is about this year. Yeah. Now that you just pointed that out, I didn't realize it until you just said that. Probably because you're home. Like when you have to look at your sort of mess all the time, it becomes apparent. Like, oh, I want to feel better in this space. Maybe I'll yeah. clean it up. Yeah, totally. You know, there's a, there's, I, I kind of want to dive even deeper in because you, you also have had and still probably have these Kilimanjaros, these mountains that to climb and, you know, that to get there, to climb those, uh, whether it was in the past or in the future to climb a mountain, you still can't climb the mountain. You, you have to take these little small steps to get to the top. Um, whether it was getting sober or it's uh, going through the new business that you're going through. So when it was getting, let's go back to getting sober when it was getting, going through that. Um, I, I remember reading about how, you know, just getting in, getting through that one period with Holly and you're on the floor and you're just trying to get that meditation and you're, you're like, I just need to get this out. And I just need to get through this, this one little moment. And I just, I just sat there and I'm like, this is that one little building block that is a part of that Kilimanjaro of getting through, but you're not even looking at the mountaintop at that point. You're looking at just this one moment. Right. Well, that's the sort of paradox of it all, right? Is you're only ever doing the thing you're doing right now, ever. But, um, you know, it's like, is the thing I'm going to choose right now, do right now in service of where I want to go. And sometimes those are those, that choice sounds easy, but it's very difficult to make, right? We constantly go against our longer term visions because it's harder. Um, yeah, that moment with Holly, I was, I was 
on a train, literally on a train. And the, that chapter is called Stop Getting on the Train, but in the book, but I was on a train and I had wine. This was like a year and several months into trying to get sober. And like the consequences were so high at this point. Like there was nothing left for me in drinking. I was very close to losing my daughter. If I kept going, losing my job, like it was, it made zero rational sense, but I was still addicted, very psychologically addicted for sure. And I had, despite knowing what I should do, uh, I had wine in my lap and I was on my way into the city to go out for the, you know, do the thing that I had done a million times. Um, but something in me, like just a second of pause was like, okay, someone told you, many people had told me, text someone before you decide to do it. And I never did that because I knew what they were going to say. <laughs> you know, we, all, we it's that moment, like we know, we know, we know, but we don't want, we want what we want when we want it sometimes. And I texted her and, and she answered and she's like, okay, just listen to this meditation and see, and like text me when it's over. So I'm sitting there with like wine between my legs, riding into the city, you know, this used Starbucks cup with wine in it, like ready to drink seconds away from it and listening to this meditation. And I listened to it once and then I listened to it twice. And before I knew it, I was already at the city and I made the decision at that point to just get back on the train and go home. And I didn't go out. So I wanted to know, like I spent that whole next day going, okay, what was the difference between that night and every other time? the hundreds of times that I went the other way. Yeah. And it's, and, and even that it wasn't one thing. I mean, what I dissect in that chapter was all the ways that I, that all the ways that I had gone on the train, so to speak, before I actually got on the train. Right. So anyone who's trying to make a change, it's like, there's a million hundreds of decisions that we make you know, trying to lose weight, eat better, eat more healthy or whatever. There's, there's so many things or sleep is maybe a better analogy. Um, like you don't, there's so many things you do throughout your day that allow you to sleep well. It's not the, it's not like the lottery, you know, <laughs> roll the dice and maybe I'll sleep well tonight. It's like, no, what did you eat that day? Did you exercise? Are you meditating? How did you, you know, how's your emotional health? Are your relationships okay? So it's like this, you make tons of little choices and that shouldn't feel overwhelming to people. That should feel heartening. Like little things can make extraordinary impact over time. You... I love the way that you described that. And the name of your book is We Are the Luckiest. Mm -hmm. And I've, I now I've been waiting to ask you this question since I've known. <laughs> what is that about? Are we, do we create our own luck? Oh, no one's ever asked me that. Really? Are you going to get into like the Sam Will, uh, the Sam Harris, is there human no. will conversation? No, I, this is just a curious Brian question. I'm just yeah, like, yeah. But it might actually, my dad says we do. And he, I had him on my podcast because I just wanted oh, to document oh. it for my grandkids mostly. That's and awesome. that, that was just fun. But then he actually said that on the podcast. And when I saw it, and then I was like, I wonder what Laurel would say 
when he said that on my podcast. And so that's where that question came from. I think we co-create. That's my, that's my belief. Um, and I, and it's not just a belief. I would say I act that way, which is how I know I really believe that, you know, I act that, that way that I have control over some things and I don't have control over a lot of things, but I think what we put our attention on grows and we attract what we put out and that type of thing. And, um, you know, and then there's the, the, that luck is often just, well, who said that showing up? Who yeah. Was who the hell said that? Yeah. I can't 99% remember. 99% of success is showing up or something yeah, like that. Up, yeah. I think a lot of it is, is showing up and, um, the, I think we do create our own luck in part. I love co-create and I love like co-create is what speaks to me and me like too. Co- co-leading, co- co-everything. Yeah. Um, it's all, it's, it's what life is about. Ridiculous to imagine that we are the center of the universe. You know, I, I was part of a program early on in sobriety and still love it. And 12 steps that, you know, that it's, um, they ask you to believe in a uh, God of your own understanding. Right. And a lot of people have a hard time with that. And I get that, but what is, what was the most useful to me? And that was just, you know, you just need to know that you're not God. That's all, you know, that there's, there's a, a bigger thing, a bigger force out there. Um, that's, that feels true to me. What a non egotistical way of being. <laughs> That's the process of sobriety, I'd say. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Really? Yeah. And what? Not a not a knock down your ego. You know, you're you're because a lot of people don't need that. Especially women don't need to have their egos shrunk per se. You know, right. in this sort of. I think you get that. Um, but humility, in the sense that. I love this definition of humility of like, it's not that you think less of yourself, but you think of yourself less. Yeah. And, and I think that, yeah, that's much of what I have learned in sobriety Mm. is that it's not about me and what a relief. Like to me, that's a relief. I Uh, love that. that. Yes. And more of that in the world. Yeah. A right. lot of suffering I have experienced comes from my own self-obsession. Mm-hmm. Not and, and it's not all good. It's like, you know, paranoid that people are thinking terrible things about me. Thinking that the world is sort of revolving around this dream I have in my head about what I'm doing or not doing or how good or bad I am. And how what a sort of distort distortion that is and, and how... Um, destructive that can be to to you. Yeah, you're in that dream. Mm-hmm. You're having a really hard time participating in the lives around you in a meaningful way, right? How do you t- do? You, do you teach this? Is this something that you teach now? I, I'm like, what is the? Where is the ego voice? And how do you how do you teach out of this? I don't, I don't think I've ever taught anything on ego, but it's so, I'm very, um, I've always been a seeker and a very, you know, a a voracious reader of sort of wisdom texts, uh, spiritual texts, self-help, but all the, all of the 
wisdom texts and, and the teachers that I respect the most, the through line there talks about that. Um, and I really am a fan of Buddhism too. And I, I'm just very attracted to it. And so it's a lot about the ego and, and, and ego also gets a bad rap too. The ego isn't, isn't all bad. We need it, but it's, um, we have a sort of perverse sense in the West, especially of, of, because we, we emphasize individualism so much and there's a lot of good that comes from that, but it has a perverse side that we become very self-important and very self-obsessed and very self-involved. And and it's like, and they have this joke in recovery about you end up thinking that you're the piece of shit at the center of the universe. (laughs) You know, it's like this both egomaniac and I'm a complete piece of shit. And it's like very, very painful way to live. Yeah. That, that is, uh, that's a good one. I hadn't heard that. <laughs> you can take that. <laughs> All right. I might use that. Are you that. struggling from thinking that you're a, a piece of shit at the center of the universe? Yeah. You, yeah, you might want to pick up a <laughs> want to pick up some some help for that. Um, right. But no, I think a lot of it comes from Buddhism and I don't I'm not a Buddhist. I don't teach. I'm not a teacher. I'm a, definitely just a student where Right. Yeah, no, I'm obsessed as well in that area. Um what you, so it it felt to me and it feels to me like there was a like a, a major transition because uh, when I knew you met you there was I met you kind of briefly um, in advertising um, in Vegas of all places of and, all places and then um, at a conference and uh, and then it transitioned out of advertising this world you entered into happened with and for you. And there was this transition, this metamorphosis, this thing that happened. Um, where was for you the, 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 the blossoming, like the, where did you feel like you really started to see the clouds part and you go, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. It's a great question. Uh, cause I don't know if there was a moment, but, but I knew, I knew that when I was getting sober, even as I resisted it so hard, even as I absolutely didn't want I thought it was the end of everything for me. I knew that there was something. I knew that it was going to change my life. I knew that I would do it for one uh, eventually. And I knew that, that it would change my life in, in the way that I had. I knew it was sort of my entryway into the things that I wanted. I had this intuition anyway. Um, but there was a lot of pain to walk through before you get there, you know? So I would say sometime around when I, when I was really getting a little bit of traction in sobriety, like 2014, September, 2014 was my last you know day one. That's where I, so I've been sober for over six years. And I would say around that time was when I actually 
had a moment where I thought I, we are the luckiest. I am the luckiest to be going through this. It was like a stupid Instagram post, but I remember uh, I was with my daughter. She was like, what, five or six at the time. I was just at home with her one, some random night. And uh, she had just gone to bed. You know, I was a single mom, have it worked this really hard job that was stressful. And um, I was feeling all the feelings at that point. And, you know, it was hard. It was really raw and hard. And I think I'd just been crying and I, it, it sort of passed that wave of emotion passed. And I was laying in my bed and looking at my, at Alma, my daughter, and, you know, I'd clean sheets and I knew there would be no new destruction in the morning and that I could, having gone through even just that wave of feeling something and not medicating it, it was like, oh, this is where the magic is. Like, this is what it is right here. And it was like a lot of moments like that. A lot of moments like that. So there was never, you know, it wasn't just a a parting all of a sudden, but it was a gradual sort of release from the pain and the shame and the pull the alcohol had on me and a walking and stepping into this new world of being a sober person and the pain and discomfort of that, you know, relearning really how to be. So it was more like a gradual unfolding, but joy in all those steps right alongside the difficulty, you know, like that there's, I would take the, the most difficult day in any of this is nothing compared to a difficult day when I was drinking. Nothing. What's uh, something surprising now that you look back on that you, you see and all of that, that you never really even thought would be such an amazing outcome. I just never, I wouldn't have, if you would have told me what my life would be like, I would have laughed in your face. Like I, Everything is surprising to me and I'm not, I can't even, it's not even like hyperbolic. It just really is. But I don't know how much I enjoy simple things, really simple things. I I have a, we have a water bubbler now downstairs that we just got a pull and spring water bubbler and is the best freaking tasting cold spring water in it. And I get so excited every time I fill that thing up because it's so good. <laughs> Water, who cares? <laughs> like little things like that, you right. know, you can take a lot of pleasure in just being alive and hanging out with my daughter and she can be safe with me. And there's, you know, she's, almost 12 this next weekend and there's mm-hmm. some challenges, but it, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm yeah. here for it. I'm here You're for just it. entering into the challenge zone, right? Oh yeah. That's a whole, can we have a, can I interview you on that? <laughs> <laughs> that I've hard. got, I've got a 21 year old, so I can take you into the, the future on that one. Oh my God, please. Yeah. But, um, yeah. 
it's, it's honestly, I never thought I would enjoy the little things so, so much. So the, as we kind of come, I, I wish I could sit here and talk to you all day, but as we're kind of wrapping this up, there, there's a couple last things I want to talk to you about. One is as you're walking now the, the earth in this new wonderful state of little things, which I think is just like, so kind of fun is the word I'd use because it's just fun. It's, it's maybe joy too, but, but just fun to see and be clear and present and, and, and just experience it that way. Um, and then you're looking around and you're seeing, and I think you maybe even, you do talk about this as well, kind of sporadically throughout and pointed out, which is you're, you're looking at people living the opposite. Like drink, like drinking, and not and 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 not being present and not living that way. Um, what do you? I mean, you can't wish for others; they have to wish for themselves. But what do you hope for? What do you wish for? Hmm. I I would say, you know, I get a lot of say emails or messages about but from people struggling with drinking specifically. Um, and there's, there's a, there's some certain type of email or, or even if a a conversation with someone I love or a friend where you, you're having a certain type of conversation where they are at the bottom, really. And I, I, when I, it's something that you feel more than something that they say. It's something that you can just feel that, you know, they're really just, they're out of ideas. <laughs> um, I always feel like, good, that's a good place to be. Like, I hope, not that I hope tragedy for people, but I hope for a certain level of, pain that it exceeds their capacity to to use the tools they have and the the sort of skills they have to try that they've been using to try to fix that and that they pain pain that brings you to a point of sort of a surrender to like maybe i don't know and Maybe I, you know, cause there's some, there's an opening that happens then. I mean, I talk about in the book, like we all have a thing and that those things, the things that bring us a lot of, it's always pain. It, unfortunately it's always pain, but there's an invitation there. Right. And that invitation, I, I, my wish would be that we all get that. And I don't even need to wish that. Like we all get some kind of invitation, but that we, that there that you walk through you you accept the invitation and walk through the opportunity there because it's very easy to go the other direction of closing down your heart and shutting down and I've done all of those things but I hope I would hope for the to to have that flash of insight or as we talked about that you know the sliding doors moment where you you use that to say all right, I'm going to see what this has to teach me and walk through it. Cause there's the, all the magic is there, man. (laughs) 
it's like, that's how you become a more compassionate human being. You know, that's how you have something to give others. Um, that's where you get to find out who you really are. It goes on and on, but it's, it's a harder road to walk in some ways. It's hard both ways, man. It's like, just pick it. Cause it's not easy to have that unconscious sort of, you know, you could be doing better, but you're not, you know, that unconscious sort of pain. Yeah, it, it is. And what I love also about how you work through things is, and, and I, I hope this for the world that everybody finds their Holly, um, mm-hmm. you know, that everyone finds their people, their tribe, their, yeah. you know, that that's, that's so important. Yeah. Um, and it just takes one, you know, I think we have this idea our social media can make it seem like, <laughs> like, uh, we need a full tribe of people behind us, but it really just takes one person who sees for you what you can't see for yourself in that moment. You know, yeah. who sees you as what as what you really are versus what what you're going through, right? And can hold up that vision for you until you can see it. Yeah. So, last question: What? What? How do you want to be in the world moving forward? Oh, that's great, especially just with sort of where I am right now, how do I want to be? Is this like, how do I want to be for myself or others or just, I get to answer it. They just got to answer it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the word that I have written down, I was just like in how to therapy before this. And I've been you know, going through some, there's always stuff and it's just, I want to have, I want to be simple. I want to be very clear and simple about what I'm here for and what I'm doing. And, and that to me translates to other, you know, the people in my life as being very present. Um, and then in my work about saying no to almost everything. So I can say yes to like the things that I really want to do, which is to write. Yeah. I love that. Simplify. Simplify. I thought I had, and then, it, and then it got complicated again. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It's mm-hmm. like a hold, well, I can't say a hold my water moment. We'll say that. Um, instead what of hold does my, that mean? Instead of hold my beer. Um, oh yeah. Hold my, hold my water moment. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Is that yeah, a, that's yeah. not a good uh, analogy. No, it, works. We're talking. it works. I get it. Um, so simplify. I love that. That's, that's such a great way to leave off. And, and thank you for, um, when you're saying no, mostly thank you for saying yes to, uh, this. Yeah, I was so happy that you reached out. It was, this has been awesome. I was great. looking forward to it. It's thank you. Wonderful to catch up after all this time and congrats. Yeah. I'm and, again, from a proud, thank you. thank you. Thank you. From a proud, like friend from a distant past um so excited for you and and everything you've done truly speaks to me so thank you so much thank you thank you so much for joining us this week if you love this episode please subscribe we love having subscribers just like you download a few more episodes and if you feel moved we would so appreciate a review I'd love to also hear your key takeaway. What impacted you from this episode? You can tweet me your answer and reach out on Twitter at Brian Kramer. That's Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K. And definitely be sure to join us in our Facebook group. We have just under 3,000 humans just like you and me 
looking to connect even more imperfectly. Until next time.